This is Dr. Rick Barnett, licensed psychologist, doctorate, licensed alcohol and drug counselor, and addictions expert. A long overdue podcast that I like to call Over One Shoulder. And it's an essay written by somebody very close to me that I think captures a lot about life and living in health and in faith and in fear and taking it one day at a time, doing the best we can. It's very meaningful to me and I hope you enjoy it. Here it goes. In a job interview recently, the woman on the other side of the solid oak desk asked me who my role model is. My mother, I answered. Indeed, she is the paradigm mothers are supposed to be. Strong, cheerful, warm, and generous. Confident, and never jealous, although my father often spends months of the year away. Versatile, she creates graphic arts and plays the piano and she can even fix the furnace. Beautiful. We are just coming to realize that some of it, some of her, just isn't real. Neither she nor the rest of the family knows what's true anymore. For half a century, she has been more of a model than a person. But a year ago, that all changed. My mother tore down her facade and pulled the house down with it, and now is searching through the rubble for her own remains. There was abuse, surely, and the trauma from an incident in the park when she was like eight or nine, and the war. So she sits at age 54 on the stools at the kitchen table and weeps because she feels absolutely empty inside, empty and alone. But so what? Some say 96% of all people are dysfunctional. She has company. I remember one rainy day in the spring of senior year in high school, picking my way as part of an informal procession to the funeral service of a friend. Charles Smithfield, age 19, overdosed on antidepressants. By the luck of the draw, I was seated with a direct view of the stone faces of his family. The girl next to me kept repeating, just don't let them see me cry. Just don't let them see me cry. David's little sister tried to say a few words, but she had to be led away. Johnny, his younger brother, knew better than to try to speak and instead played a song on the guitar. Johnny committed suicide three years later. Fate plays with a loaded gun. In the first years of elementary school, I believed I was a bad luck charm. I remember distinctly sitting in the bathtub at a friend's house, crying away the suds because the neighbor's dog had been run over and it was my fault. As if my presence had changed the route fate follows as she stalks our lives. I have since moved on to a new game. I search for fate in every corner. I seem to catch glimpses of her snowy train. I taste traces of her arsenic in my mouth. Death or disease, I am sure, is at my doorstep. Because if pain devastates my mother, and if death plays with the Smithfields, why not me? The devil on my shoulder tells me I cannot write about human suffering because I have not experienced it. But I can see it, and I feel it. It's blackness, it's emptiness, all around me. It guides my movements and generates my fears. 
I look at my hands and legs and into, into my own eyes, and I wonder that I am whole. And that, as they say, I carry little baggage. I sit, trembling, in the eye of the storm. There are those people who gamble with life. They take it for all it's worth, and more. My younger brother, Rick, is the type one sees at swimming holes, not diving but flipping backwards from 50 feet up, breaking the surface with the sound of a shot, and coming up with a shake of his long hair and a cackle from the cold. I beat fate on that one, he seems to say. Let me try again. Charles Smithfield was a daredevil. Every year, the water polo team recruited him to climb up the side of the gym and hang the team banner from the roof. His long, sinewy body stood there on the ledge, waving to the policeman below, and he grinned as if possessed. Unlike Rick, he beckoned death. People like my father do not tempt fate, they ignore her. My father pretends life smiles upon him, even in the worst of times, and assumes that the attitude alone will create miracles. And truly, he has received more than his share. A month before the bank foreclosed on our house, he decided to take a trip to Ireland. He wanted to see the northwestern shore, he said. He'd heard wonderful things about it. And when he returned home, the problem had solved itself. All he does is have faith that somehow a sale will come through, a friend will extend a hand, and they always do. Live life for today, worry about tomorrow, never. In the meantime, the Smithfields are holding on to their little girl tightly, the last of three, and praying to the gods to just let them keep this last one. And I try to get to know the stranger crying at the kitchen table who is my mother. I am afraid of the suffering before me, but I am not a coward. I am young. Life unfolds before me. I travel. Each day is a new place. I take no chances. I do not speed. I push fate as far away as I can, but I know she is there, waiting alongside of the road. And I listen to the wind and the murmurings of life around me. And I read the words of the Desiderata. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace, whatever peace means to you, and whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul. With all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it's still a beautiful world. Sometimes, looking back over my shoulder or into the deep forests ahead, the storm, the storm swirling around me, I continue on my journey one small step, one day at a time. Thank you.